Tam Tam. How oh, has life been for oh. you? Well, can I just tell you? Tell oh me. my just God. Last night, last night. So, you know, I have the, the daughter who's jumps in the bed every night. You have the daughter. Ooh. I yeah. know. <laughs> remember that girl? <laughs> yeah, remember um, that chick that <laughs> burst out of a stomach? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, she was in the bed last night. She ended up in the middle of the night having this crazy dream where she was like flailing and screaming, like vocal, no. screaming. No. So, I have her in the middle and then I have my husband no. snoring away on the no. other side. So, it was like a symphony of sound. So, I'm like trying to like push him, yeah. like move him, trying to like get her back in the bed, like kind yeah. of compacted, you know? So needless to say, I haven't had that great of sleep. But, but that's I'm why you have insomnia. I know, exactly. That, this you is always where say my... to me, you're always like, I don't ever sleep. I'm like, because you have people in your bed. We've yes. been on this road trip and we get two rooms. I'm not even kidding. The baby, my seven-year-old and my husband sleep in the one room and I sleep in the other room with my ear, pa- my ear things in my ears and my mask on and I'm not allowed to be woken up at I, so I said to my husband, I'm like, if you marry me, I'm like, you can't wake me up after uh, seven oh. o'clock. You can only wake me up at seven. I don't care if the baby gets up at three. I'm like, I birthed two kids, 10 pound babies. Like I'm out. Like, it's yeah. your turn to wake up with her. But then they wake up at 7.30 after me. So it seems like a little unfair. Doesn't I know it, it's really unfair. And I am actually, I'm dying to know how our guests slept last night because she too is a working mom who is like a boss. So yes. and she always I looks would, good. She, I mean, she's a, like one of the best fashion designers out there. So are you surprised? So today we have on the amazing Rebecca Minkoff. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) We are super excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Did you have good sleep last night? No. Um, (laughs) This is the pandemic sleep situation. Oh, let's hear it. We, I have three, uh, nine, six, and almost three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went into the pandemic uh, with where we moved to at the time. Um, it just made more sense because I was breastfeeding the baby to bed every night that I would put him down and my daughter down. Right. And then that meant that I slept in the same room as my daughter. So we each were like college roommates with twin beds. And my husband <laughs> had the nine-year-old in the king bed. <laughs> and we've now moved eight times during the pandemic. And we have kept that same sort of... Um, I put them down and then last night, anyways, long story short is two nights ago, I was like, I cannot do this shit anymore. I'm going to go insane. I do not want to sleep with them. No. I put them to bed. It's not fair. The nine-year-old falls asleep in about 60 seconds and the other two take an hour. Right. So last night I felt guilty and I put him to bed and then I didn't want to move the baby. And I just got, you know, he needs like active, I call it like active pressure when they're like sleeping on you, but they're pushing you. Yes. Yes. So that was my night. So I was like, my husband's like, you could have brought him in. I was like, I know I just felt bad. Why do we yeah. feel bad all the time? I know. We you always feel guilty. Kids, right. You mm-hmm. have three. You said, three, yeah. Cause three. I have this whole trip. Um, we have two and I kept saying, I really know I'm not done. Like, I know I want a third. Like I know in my heart of hearts, I want a third. And my husband is so done. Was it an easy decision to do a third and maybe you'll do a fourth and a fifth or did you, were you both on the same page or did you like Roxy's trying to do like, <laughs> make, make, does it entrap your husband to get pregnant? <laughs> Gotta do uh, it. Did you make, make, <laughs> make him do it or how did that how did that go down no we know we both knew that we wanted three okay and we had okay. three that's easier that's easier <laughs> then i said i want a fourth and i oh. literally would lie to my husband and tell him i wasn't ovulating and i tried <gasps> for like nine months to get pregnant that way mm-hmm. um and then the pandemic hit and i was like i definitely don't want any more kids ever like, <laughs> right. <I'm not> <laughs> the state of the world right now right 
the state of the world. Oh. God forbid I ever have to homeschool them again. I was oh. like, I want no more kids to do this. With. Really well, Tam, Tam and I are like struggling with that right now. I mean, she's on the road, so it's a little more exciting. But like, you know, I'm in Los Angeles. We're doing the exciting homeschooling hell. thing. Yeah, exciting hell. Yeah. I mean, how has this whole like homeschooling situation been for you? How are you like kind of maneuvering? Because you've got such a huge business on top of it. So it's like, how are you doing this? So, um, we homeschooled them from March to June. Uh-huh. And then I said, if this continues, I am, I know myself now. I do not like who I become. I do not mm-hmm. like my relationship with my children. Mm-hmm. So where can we go? The schools are open. And my parents live in Florida. So we are temporarily oh. camping out in Florida where the kids are gone from nine to five every day. <gasps> they go to school and I can work. Otherwise it wouldn't oh. be possible. Yeah. It's, it's so, so hard. hard. I realize like, Mm-hmm. My my daughter, because I do the homeschooling because I'm such an, I'm so adamant that she gets it done. And my, I love my husband, but I feel like, you know, I'm a control freak too. So I, I just know that she will learn her spelling words and get her math done. But like you said, I turn into a person I really don't respect. You know, I can have such a gentle, kind, loving, thoughtful, um, connected relationship with my family. And then when I feel out of control with the homeschooling and I'm not designed to do that, that's just not, that's not my forte. Um, I, I become like a tyrant. I become a horrible person. Mm. And I see that this period is going to end up affecting our kids because us as women and fathers and whatever, we, we can't, we don't know the right tools and how to educate them to the best of our ability and with kindness and patience. It's just something that we're, we're not good at, you know? Mm -hmm. No, we never had to learn. That's why teachers go to school and they learn right. how to be teachers, you know? Mm-hmm. Teachers are freaking amazing, right? They're incredible, yeah. Yes. So let's roll it back to the beginning, Miss Rebecca, because if people don't know, first of all, you know, I used to live in New York City and I remember going to that store called Searle. It was like so hot, right? And I noticed that you posted a throwback picture, I think in the last like couple weeks, about getting your one of your first pieces into Searle and like what a kind of moment that was. So what was it like just even getting to that, you know, beginning stage for you? So I launched the bag in 2005, Daily Mm -hmm. Candy, for those of you who remember it, uh, Mm -hmm. wrote about it. It was called The Catwalk of Shame is the article. If you want to Google it, I think it still (laughs) lives lives somewhere in the interweb. Mm -hmm. Um, And I experienced this crazy, you know, inbound of, you know, the store that carried it sold out. They reordered more. Then I had... Mm -hmm. You know, the same, the owners of that store were in a magazine in Japan. And then I started getting Japanese orders and it was a momentum and an, and an excitement I'd wanted mm-hmm. to have happened the past four years I'd been doing my clothing line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just went with it. And so then when Searle came into order, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like ordering 300 to 500 bags at a time, you're like, what <laughs> is this? Um, how do I pay for this? Cause I mm-hmm. can't. Um, but it was really exciting and they were an incredible family run business. And so I got to know the, the owners and, um, you know, they, they were understanding of what it's like to be a young designer. They taught me things cause I didn't have all the experience that I have now. And so it was a great, it was a great place to sort of get my retail feet wet. Mm-hmm. What's your greatest advice for anyone who wants to grow a business? Um, you know, being in the fashion world, it's it seems like just like 
us in the entertainment world, it seems really difficult. And I'm sure mm-hmm. people look up to you and young girls look up to you and go, how can I be Rebecca Minkoff? <laughs> you know, so what, what is your advice to them? What would you say? I think that we're uh, right or wrong living in a world right now where you click your item and add to cart and it comes tomorrow mm-hmm. or you get your car or you deposit your check, right? Everything can be done mm-hmm. with the click of a button. Mm-hmm. And there is this misnomer that your career can be built that way. I've been mm-hmm. building what looks like it, it having it all, uh, which it's not by the way, uh, no. for, for mm-hmm. 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And with that comes enormous hardship, enormous sacrifice, enormous struggle. And that's not to say hey, don't do this. It sucks. But just know that that's what you're also, you're also signing up for that. You know, Mm -hmm. you're also, you're going to have the highest highs and the lowest lows. Mm -hmm. And so it would be to, before you leave your corporate job that you have a consistent paycheck at that, you know, is safe, like make sure you know that you're signing up for the good, the bad and the ugly. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're not shocked when it happens. You're like, what? My, my entire order of leather arrived and it has, it's damaged or, oh my God, an entire carton got flooded. We can't ship that stuff. Mm. Oh my gosh, we changed shipping companies and they put in the wrong zip code to 10,000 people and everyone got screwed for Thanksgiving last year. You know, Mm. like just know that those things will happen. And it's like, do you keep going? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, do you have the, do you have the fortitude to go, okay, I'm right. Mm -hmm. And take a breather and just go with it. You have to go with the punches. Um, You know, you mentioned you've been doing this for 20 years at this point. Mm -hmm. At what point did you know, like, was there an event that happened or somebody who wore your clothes or something, something that happened that you knew you were sitting on something special? I think that, you know, again, that first bag, Daily Candy, the bag Mm -hmm. selling out. I think there was a period of time, again, before bloggers and influencers Mm -hmm. where we had this incredible Hollywood following. Mm -hmm. um, And you would just see our bags on these girls all the time. And that would run in the weeklies. Those bags would sell out. That was a... I wish we could go back to that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that was a great time period. I would say, I don't know, from 2005 to 2011. And then, and then it turned into influencers, which are still great, but there's a, it's a different world now, right? Celebrities are paid to talk about stuff. Influencers are paid. And before it was that game, there was just an organic, genuine love of finding a designer, wearing them, loving them. Not like how much are you going to give me to wear that? Did you, did you buy into, Oh, did you intend to, um, you know, go for that and be sort of, because you are sort of known as that cool it girl designer. Was that something like you intended to do or did that just happen like organically because you got Jessica Alba, the Kardashians, you know, Sophia Richie, like all sort of those cool it girls wearing your stuff. Was that something that you intentionally did or did it just happen? No, it definitely did not just happen. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think I knew early on or I had a sense that celebrities are, are in the past, these actresses or personalities would move product and that's who girls look to for style advice. And so mm-hmm. I worked really hard with my PR firms, with friends of friends of friends. You know, I'll never forget. And again, this is when Lindsay Lohan was respectable. <laughs> no offense to any Lindsay Lohan fans. <laughs> Um, but we were doing this gifting suite. So a celebrity could come into this hotel, uh, area and there'd be all these brands set up and that celebrity could like pick out whatever they wanted in the hopes Mm -hmm. that then they would wear it and be Mm -hmm. photographed. So we were doing it and she walked in while I was in the bathroom and my, my friend who was with me, like ran outside and put the bag in Lindsay's hands and all the paparazzi got the shot and like just sold that bag for days. And so, you know, you really had to figure out the system and who, Mm -hmm. who could introduce you and, 
um, I think we had a store early on in LA, so that helped because they, mm-hmm. they would just come by to shop as well. Do you buy into influencer marketing now? Because I know that there's a lot of like, uh, who, what, what is it? Uh, reward style. And mm. so do you believe that's a good way to market your products? Um, and if people don't know, it's uh, celebrities get, uh, they don't, sometimes they don't get paid. They get the product and then they swipe up um, and then they get a percentage of everything that they've sold. Do you think that's a good way to sell products? Mm. Yeah. For your brand. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. So we'll never engage someone and pay them an extraordinary fee to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what we try and do is find people that are excited about the product genuinely. Mm-hmm. Um, they do receive a portion of a commission if it sells or we'll say, hey, we'll give it to you. Can you post? Mm-hmm. Um, so we do do giftings, you know, every season we, we go out to people say, is there anything of this line that you like? Mm-hmm. And you send it and you hope they wear it. So it does work. It does build brand awareness. Um, I would say that the people that move product in the way that a celebrity used to do mm-hmm. charge crazy amounts of money. Right. And, um, we don't necessarily engage in that. Mm. Do you think celebrities now don't move products like they used to that influencers now do? Like mm. fashion so influencers, influencers are right? the new celebrity yeah. when it comes to moving product is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And dare I say like the D'Amelio mm. sisters, right? Mm. Like I'm not sure what they're known for other than dancing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they um, do move products. Oh yeah. We, yeah. we haven't done anything with them, but uh, I know from just in the industry that the reason why they're commanding the fees they are is because they move units. You know, it's no, um, you know, shock to people that there's a lot of, you know, competition in the fashion world. And a lot of times there's copycats and, you know, and even designers, other designers try to pull other designers down. Have you experienced that personally? And if so, how did you deal with that? Oh, I have a great story. This, this designer will remain anonymous. Uh, I hate the cattiness. I hate the competition. I came from the outside. It's not like Anna Mm -hmm. Wintour said, Rebecca Minkoff's going to be the next designer. Let me help her. Mm -hmm. We really got voted in because of our consumer. Um, And I'll never forget. I was on E we were doing like a fashion week recap. I was with another designer and the host of the show said, Rebecca, you make my favorite dress of all time. It's blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then the episode aired and I was removed from almost the whole thing. And I was like, man, I, I must have been off that day that like, what did I do wrong in the interview? Why is it only about her? Mm-hmm. And I saw the anchor uh, a few weeks later at a party and she's like, I got to apologize to you. Like I said that thing to you and the guest was best friends with the producer and basically said, you will edit all that out. You will edit all that out. And I was like, wow, that is cold. Yeah. So that happens so much. Yeah. Like even in in our business, um, I work in film and TV. I remember auditioning and my agent would call me and say, you didn't get the role because, you know, you look like the ex of the lead who got the role. Like the the, the ex of the boyfriend of the lead that got the role. So all of a sudden you don't get so much of that stuff that goes on that you don't know when you think it's you. You think you're the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, You wonder what you've done wrong. Yes. So how did you sort of like deal with that? Like, is it just something you let roll off your back now? Or is it like, do you have to engage with, with things like that? No, I think I've gotten really good at knowing if someone's going to screw you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think people have that gut instinct. They're like, ooh, they're being nice to you on the service, but they're going to talk shit about you later. Or, mm. you know, like you have that, or we've made a lot of hires and I'm like, 
oh, they're really fun and they're really outgoing and bubbly, but behind mm-hmm. that, like always like, eh, there's a, there's a deep morass of someone that's going to screw you. So I feel like trying to really understand people and, and actions and you can't just take the surface, you know? Yeah. So it's following your gut, really, right? I mean, you really kind of go with, like, you, how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I always go, like, how are you feeling when you've left the room or that conversation? Did you feel good and better and energized, or did you feel sucked dry or deflated? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In what ways do you feel like you've had to pivot? I feel like that word right now is what everyone's <laughs> saying, pivot, pivot, yeah. um, when it comes to COVID. Because, you know, in the beginning of, of this shutdown, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, I thought everything was going to stop, but I do believe that the fashion industry, you can correct me if I'm wrong, has actually thrived in a way because there's been a lot of online shopping, people at home, um, people on computers. So what, in what ways has your brand had to pivot and are consumers consuming fashion differently this year than they were Mm -hmm. last year? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've had to pivot almost 100%. Um, mm-hmm. Before the pandemic, we were primarily 70% of our business was wholesale, 30% was direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. I was obviously visible socially, um, mm-hmm. but not to the extent that I am today. So when the pandemic hit and we lost all of our wholesale business, uh, we re- my brother and I, he's my co-founder, was mm-hmm. like, we have to rebuild this business. Uh, I'm chief influencer, CMO, copywriter, um, <laughs> content maker. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. All the hats. All the hats. <laughs> all the things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, let's try it. We didn't have anything else, but what we saw was it worked, right? Mm-hmm. Our best performing ads on social are me doing dumb things or showing you outfits, right? It's not the campaign where you spend all the money and you hire all mm-hmm. the people. Um, so in a way, it's gotten a lot more simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just gotten a lot more real and natural, you know? Um, maybe I should take my background down because I'm doing this podcast for my Yes, you should, we should see. <laughs> we should see the reality of Rebecca Minkoff. I know, the mom. Exactly. <laughs> People connect with yeah. that, though. They do. Yeah. Like, the more honest and open and authentic you are, like, even right. on social, Roxy and I know that. Like, when you put on this air that everything's perfect, everyone has something. Everyone has something that they're struggling with. No right. life is perfect. Um, you know, and all we see is people's highlights, re- highlight reels. So we just scroll and flick and flick and we feel lesser and lesser than and then we realize when people like you show your background if you if you have a messy kids room (laughs) you think it's possible because there's like you know what she can do it she's got three kids and she gets up in the morning and she fights for her dreams and I can do it too and I think if we are all more authentic about the lives that we live Mm -hmm. I feel that you know people would be more inspired to get out there and 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 fight for their dreams a hundred percent I fully agree with that it's not about being perfect at all all the time Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. And you mentioned, you know, being a mom, we're talking about our kids earlier. Um, do your kids ever show like interest in fashion? Like, are they maybe would follow in your sartorial footsteps? And if so, would you encourage that? Because you know, the ups and downs of the fashion world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would encourage whatever makes them passionate, because no matter what industry they're going to go into, that drama is going to exist. Okay. Right? I don't really, unless you want to be a veterinarian, I don't think maybe that's not so dramatic. There's a lot of drama in veterinarians. (laughs) I know these dogs, you know, they get crazy. (laughs) Um, So yeah, my daughter, I have two Mm -hmm. sons and a daughter. I would say my daughter shows the most interest in fashion. She loves wearing high heels. She loves Uh doing makeup. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of letting them guide and, and um, she definitely like, I don't know that she'd want to be a designer, but I could see her being a makeup artist or, 
Um, my husband says she walks better in heels than he, he says scarily, like she walks better in heels than any, anyone he's ever met. So that's, <laughs> that's a little alarming, but I'm, I'm trying to go with it. Does that include you too? Yes. yes. No, she, she has like a swagger that's like, you know, a drag queen. Love it. Love. <laughs> You're such a leader in your business and it always interests me what leaders find are important qualities in becoming mm-hmm. a leader. Mm-hmm. What what do you think um, defines leader and being a leader in leadership? Mm-hmm. So I think for a long time, women have had as examples, white men as leaders, Mm -hmm. right? And and modeling their behavior in a certain way. And I think we have to not look at that as the blueprint for how to lead. We can be Mm -hmm. vulnerable. We can be empathetic. It doesn't mean we can't be tough. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you, you you bend over and take it, but it means that you can care about your people. You can, you can show that nurturing side Mm -hmm. and still command authority. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think sadly, too many women just get rid of all the, all the things that by nature make us who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's the leaders that are bitchy and mean and throw shoes in people's faces or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. don't help another woman up. And so I think I try and lead with vulnerability, with empathy. Um, am I perfect all the time? No. Um, I'll admit when I'm wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I think an interesting comparison is like how different my brother and I are as leaders. You know, he'll be mm. like, you overshared. I'm like, it's good. He'll mm-hmm. say, they don't want the reality. You can't show the reality show. And I'm like, it's real life. So even just what I choose to say when I'm writing articles or sharing stuff, you know, socially, it's a, uh, it's a different approach that I think we, we should, we should bask in as women. Yeah. We need to like really harness our strengths. Like you're saying, and and things that we even perceive to be our weaknesses could actually be strengths for us, you know? I mean, vulnerability isn't incompetence. You know, I think people think that when you're vulnerable, then you can't do your job. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's like that, that everyone says, oh, she's on her period or she has PMS or it's all that kind of stuff. Like if she's, she's being a ball buster, it's like, she's, you know, she's being bossy instead of she's being a leader. So I hope that that narrative and that conversation can change about around women being leaders, because I, you know, I think vulnerability is the key to success. I truly do. Um, especially like my favorite, who's, who is it? Roxy oh, Brene Brown. Brene Brown. <laughs> so being vulnerable um, is not a weakness and it's not incompetence. It's something really special to be able to harness and, and show the world for sure. Mm-hmm. So what about, you know, because inevitably in anybody's career, no matter what industry you're in, you're going to have a level, uh, you'll have successes, but you also have failures. So for you, how have you dealt with the failures and were there ever times that you wanted to like, just give up? Uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> every day. I love it. We all have the piece of that every day, don't we? Oh my right? gosh. So yeah, I mean... I, I would say the most challenging moment, um, and I'm, I'm, I wrote a book and it comes out in June, but you know, I had to sort of give those, those pinnacle times when that happened. Uh-huh. I would say that I was in Paris for a sales trade show. My, the, my former president and I decided to splurge and go to La Venue and have champagne and delicious food and sit outside. It was like a gorgeous like everything you could fantasize, like Emily in Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I got an email that was like, oh, our, our bank uh, who advances us money on our purchase orders wasn't going to advance the money. Then we couldn't order the goods. Then we couldn't ship the goods, blah, blah, blah. The whole <sighs> thing breaks down. And they were standing firm on that decision. 
Um, and I just sort of said, you know what? My people can take my company. Mm-hmm. They can whatever, take my apartment that they, that they have a lean on. Um, but they can't, what can they, what can they not take from me? They can't mm-hmm. take me mm-hmm. and they can't take my husband and my kids. And I know that as an entrepreneur, if I built something once I can build it again, mm-hmm. something different. And so your security has to be within yourself and your, your confidence in your ability. That's your security. It's not the money in your bank account. Cause that could go away tomorrow. That's a really actually healthy way to look at it, Rebecca, because it's like a lot of people would say, no, that's the, my whole identity is tied to my business, which I know a huge chunk of it is, but that's a really healthy way to look at it and be like, you know what? Step back for a minute. As long as I have, you know, my family and my health, you know, that's all you need. Right. I mean, in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I'm 39 and I'm living with my parents, you know, other people mm-hmm. might be like, Oh wow. That, what happened to her? But like, Hey, I'm trying to give my kids a normal life. You know, our business has changed. And so it's just like, mm-hmm. you have to just strip away what you think matters. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's like, what can you have? What can you rebuild and what truly, truly matters? And like, stop with the materialistic. Like I have so many zeros mm-hmm. in my account. Mm-hmm. Do you suffer from, I mean, I know for me, like we're, on, we're just to give you a background, we left our house five weeks ago and we've been on the road for five weeks with the two small children. And you're right. Like stripping away all the bullshit is what we did. We were just mm-hmm. really unhappy in Los Angeles and we just wanted to experience the world together as a family and create memories. And so that's what we're doing. But there's always a level of guilt. I always suffer you know, my husband suffers guilt very badly and I've started to suffer it since I've become a mother, but it's like, there's this guilt of like, Oh, you know, we're doing these amazing things, but you know, are my kids okay when it comes to playing with other kids and are they okay when it comes to schooling? Cause their only teacher is me and I run my own business as well. And that's difficult to be able to do with kids on the road. And am mm-hmm. I failing at that? So I suffer so much guilt about doing things perfectly. And I wonder if someone like you, who is really successful and has three children, is always feeling guilty when you're doing the other thing. When you're working mm. too much, you feel guilty about your kids. When you're with your kids too much, you're feeling guilty about work. Is it something we should just accept? Should we just accept the guilt comes with trying to have it all? Or, mm-hmm. or is it something you compartmentalize and don't, don't feel that sense of shame or guilt? No, my husband's one complaint is that I always feel guilty. He's like, stop okay. feeling guilty. <laughs> um, I think my, my peak moment was we took a, I had to work. Uh, I was asked to be a speaker uh, on in the Caribbean last, I guess, November. Mm-hmm. And I had to, we, we, the whole family got a free ride because I was there to speak. So mm-hmm. when I'm away from my kids working on the vacation that they get to have, because I'm working, I feel guilty that I'm leaving them. Mm-hmm. Then I go and take one ch- child to spend some alone time with one. I felt guilty I left the other two. Then my husband mm-hmm. and I went out on a date. I felt guilty for leaving all three. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't fucking win. So just fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> hardwired, like maybe the guilt is too high, but at least we feel that way. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know that men have that. So no. They don't have that. No. My husband goes away to direct a film for two months and I said, are you desperately missing us? Like, are you right. going to throw up every day because of how bad you feel being away from us, which is a guilt <laughs> trip in itself. And he's like, uh, no, no, I, I yeah. don't feel that. I, he goes, I love you and I, I can't wait to see you, but no, it doesn't keep me up at night. 
Yeah. So and those thought, nerves that are there in our uteruses, like, you know, right. thousand years of evolution and they're, mm-hmm. they're there for a reason, you know, I, that's all I got. That's all I can think. I mean, I think too, as women and especially as moms, um, I noticed too, when I'm talking to my child, like, I, I feel like I perceive more than my mm-hmm. husband does with her, you know, right. like as far as how she's feeling, I mean, maybe you're because- like, he does too, but you're like, I don't care what he's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm the one who yeah. really sees what she's feeling. I see her. <laughs> I see her. She but, sees it, me. <laughs> but I'll notice, you know, I'll go in like, because I'm usually the one that puts her down at night. So I'll, you know, we'll have like a nice little chat as I'm putting her to bed and I try to kind of get in a little deeper at that time with her you know then I'll come out and my husband you know will be working on his computer or whatever and I'll come back out to talk to him of course he's like you know feet kicked up working on his computer watching tv so I'm Um, working on his computer no bitterness there yeah (laughs) not at all not at all but I'll say oh did you notice that you know Bray is feeling xyz and it's like he just never even it never even like came across as mine you know so right. i think i think too like our intuition is a, is really an amazing gift you know and they're really simple it's that's the funny thing that i've learned to I, i've had to accept my i've been with my husband for 15 years and i just have to realize that it really is simple it's like just feed the man mm-hmm. just like you know let him do his work give him sex like we simple <laughs> like it's just it's not that difficult like it really isn't i mean i know i'm probably this men want listening to that go we are so complicated but there but i've read a lot about like basic needs if you give your man basic needs like but i think women are so complex like even we're talking about in one of our episodes um about our hormonal cycle every there's four different times in the month where we are vastly different people and out like our what we're connected to what uh how how our we 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 work is different how we mm-hmm. react to people is different all different throughout the four times in the month and it's and i do think that women because of that they worry more because their brains are just constantly moving and going and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking um but yeah maybe maybe men are more complex but i feel like they're quite simple <laughs> thoughts rebecca <laughs> how do you feel about that so um I think that in general, men are much more simple. I feel Hmm. fortunate that I have a partner who is very emotionally in touch with, Mm -hmm. you know, he is like, he has Mm -hmm. a great intuition, but um, there are definitely things that I'm like, you didn't catch that or, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, but I would have to say that I I see lots of men that aren't in touch, but I'm, I feel lucky that I found someone that is in touch with his emotions. Oh, that's very good. That's a bonus. Have you seen uh, David cry, Roxy? I have seen him cry and I'll tell you, you know, it's funny. The only two times I've seen him cry, because really it's only been twice. Yes. They were both work related for his work. Right. Yeah. How about you? Like, have you seen Sean cry? He cried at our wedding the most I've ever seen a person cry like ever. Like he hadn't Mm -hmm. cried for like eight years. And then I walked down the aisle and he goes, (laughs) all our pictures are of him. His whole face, like all crinkled up. And I was like, Oh my God. And I thought to myself, as I was walking down the aisle, I thought I should cry more because this looks odd. It looks odd that I'm totally composed. He's crying probably because he's like, Oh fuck, my life is over. What have I done? (laughs) Um, But all our our, our wedding pictures, he's crying. And both, Hmm. both of the births of our two girls, he cried. Yes. Oh, Okay, but not okay. not any other time. Not any other time. What about you, Rebecca? 
Uh, once, uh, he had, <laughs> yes, once in our entire marriage, um, it was a personal thing with his father, um, mm. not around, sadly, uh, involved, I guess I should say. And he was just super bummed that his dad isn't getting to see our children grow. Like he's met my kids. Mm. He's met my kids each one time. So oh, I wow. think he had hit a breaking point with that. Oh, wow. Okay. So he's having a hard, str- he's struggling with that a bit. He, he's not right now, but mm-hmm. they had a conversation and he finally was like, dude, what the, can I swear? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Say whatever the fuck you want, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you, what the fuck? You, you married your husband yeah. and you checked out of our lives. Like it, you, you don't know your grandchildren. And he just got really upset. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's difficult. Well, and perhaps this goes along with it a little bit too. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but asking for help is really hard for me. Like I have a really hard time and that goes for, you know, work-related issues, even my friends, like personal relationships. Um, how do you guys feel about asking for help? Like Rebecca, does that come natural to you? Like in your business, even in your personal life? I ask for help all the time. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it comes naturally, but the only yeah. reason I'm even successful is yeah. I'm asking for help. Like yesterday, I just sent out all these blind emails to people I've never met asking for their help because oh, the only way I can get you done. I agree. Yeah. I'm a delegator. I've been a delegator, mm-hmm. which is one of the issues that I do have because I delegate to my husband a lot, like things that like I don't want to do. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, Jessica, that, you do the I'm diaper. Sure. I'll be like, you do the diaper. I'll pack up the house, which is like, he's like, I don't want to do the diaper. I'll pack up the house. So I'm a very good delegator, but I think it comes from working from 14 years old. And when you're on set all the time, you have to delegate to people because how can you know your lines, be on time, you know, be in shape, like all these things that you have to do to make sure that your business is thriving how do you do that without the helpers, you know? And that's what people mm-hmm. don't see. They, they see a person who's very successful like Rebecca. And then mm-hmm. it's important to talk about the fact that there are helpers because mm-hmm. people think they have to do it all by themselves. And when you do it all by the, yourself, you don't really get the opportunity to be your best, you know? And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I thank God for the helpers that we've had in our lives to, to get where we are. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, Rebecca, do you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? And based on that, how has your mental health like been affected with this quarantine? Because I know for me, I'm an extrovert. So being like locked into quarantine is very hard on me because my natural, you know, tendency is to go and be around people and sort of take that energy in and and I really thrive on it. So quarantine has been hard on me, like mentally, emotionally. How has it been for you? Like, have you noticed a change in your mental health? Uh, yeah, um, I'm an extrovert. I think yep. I thrived on the energy of New York City of, you know, the the things I got to go do and the people and that just bumping into everybody. Uh-huh. Um, and so when we went into lockdown, I was like, OK, well, at least I know I'll get to see my friends. Right. And then it mm-hmm. turns out all my friends were far more scared of COVID than I was. So then I had no friends to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. You know, um, it was lonely, even though there was a full house of little humans and my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then when my friends did finally feel comfortable seeing each other, I was like, just talk at me. Like, I just want to hear another human and I want to hug. And so um, 
I definitely think in now that we're in Florida and it has been more relaxed here, good or bad, I'm all for it. Mm. Um, it being more relaxed, like I feel some semblance of normalcy, like people mm. are hanging out or you can go into a store and obviously you're wearing a mask, but it's not this what's happening in maybe Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think that my mental health has greatly improved because we need community. We need to be with each of other. Of course. And, you know, um, everyone has a different view on the, on the pandemic, but I, I personally am starting to worry, is the cure worse than the disease? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and are we going to have no economy, a mental health crisis, sexual abuse, domestic abuse, alcoholism, all these things on the rise that no one's worried about Mm -hmm. So that, you know, you know, so we can protect our vulnerable, we can protect, you know, the people that are most at risk and then how can we sort of come together? So, um, I definitely feel that we were, we're as humans, we need community. Mm-hmm. We don't thrive unless. And so I think we've all been deprived of that a bit too long. Mm-hmm. Tamman, for you though, you are, you've been enjoying this though, haven't you? Well, well, a little bit. <laughs> I'm an extrovert introvert. So I am an introvert because I get a lot of social anxiety, but once I'm there, I'm a duck in the puddle. It's like, you can't shut me up. But it's been really nice <laughs> to actually like too much stimulus for me overwhelms me and then I can't do my job in the way that I want to. I need to be grounded a lot. And so like when you walk into a hotel, like we're at the Ritz-Carlton up in St. Louis and last time we came here, it was packed. And I just remember walking into the lobby and it was just like so much bright lights and there were so many people. And then you're in the elevator and there's 25 people in the elevator and you feel like you can't breathe. Mm. So I'm not wishing a pandemic on anyone, but what it has (laughs) given me is a chance to actually slow the fuck down Mm -hmm. and not like constantly be like trying to rush to this place that there's less cars on the road. I think that we will forever be changed. I hope that there are some good that we can take from this and Mm -hmm. how we communicate with people and how we um, spend our time and how we start to slow down. I think it was really scary in the beginning of this pandemic because everyone had to stop. And they're like, what the fuck does stop mean? Like we've never, we haven't done this, Mm -hmm. especially when you're a businesswoman. We all are businesswomen. Like how are we meant to stop and still be okay? And then we realize we are okay. So there's parts of this pandemic that I've actually really enjoyed. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's time to move on. And I think whatever that situation is, whether it's a vaccine or whether it's do something really drastic, stay at home for six weeks so we can actually start to have a a normalcy. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was listening to CNN and uh, they're saying it's about summer, about summertime, things will start to go back to normal and the travel industry will start to open up. So if I'm thinking summer, I'm like, you know, I can do this. I can do this, you know, just step by step, day by day. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll come out on the other side for sure. Just don't leave the tequila at home. <laughs> That's for you, Roxy. True. I can only drink one drink. I drank one drink the other day. I'm like, I'm so wasted. Um, we're talking about that. We should do a Never Have I Ever before yes! we let Rebecca go. Yes! And then we will let her go to her three kids and her husband yes! and her amazing life in Florida. <laughs> I know. Where she's probably enjoying the beach. Sunny and, and it's snowing great. here. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. It's not pretty too. in LA either. All right. Let's do we this. Never Have I Ever fashion. Yes, fashion edition. Fashion edition. Yes, yes. All right. Never have I ever seen someone else steal my exact idea. (gasps) And if you have, you just say, I have. I have. I have. Like, fully. Like, 100% you saw it. It was like, that is my dress. Yeah, so Lord and Taylor uh, Uh had a knockoff of my exact bag in their window. 
um, but shrunk down. And so when we had our meeting with them, because they carried the line before they went bankrupt, I mean, many, many years ago, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, can we talk about this? And I like (laughs) slid it across the table and they were like, (laughs) sweating. Um, All right. Never have I ever regretted dressing a celebrity. You know, it's hard. I really was excited about Lindsay Lohan back in the day, but Uh now, like, I don't want to talk about her. (laughs) Right. You're right, because she was one of your early, like, really proponents of the line. She was, and for Mm -hmm. the youth, all they know is Lindsay and Grease at the club. They don't know that she was, like, a budding, up-and-coming, talented actress, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. This is a little naughty. You don't have to answer this, but I want you to. Um, (laughs) Never have I ever had like some kind of sexy time at a fashion event. <gasps> no, but I will say this. Uh-huh. We had a show in. <laughs> oh, we've, we've heard it all from people. We've had some pretty intense. Um, we had a fashion show in mm-hmm. LA. I mm-hmm. want to say in 2016. Yes. 2016. Mm-hmm. And I was ovulating and my husband was going to work um, in Hawaii for a job, but he was going to have a layover in LA. So we met <gasps> oh, God. at the Delta Lounge. In- oh my God. Oh, you know Hi. Showers, you know the showers they have there? Yes. Yes. Girl. Yeah. So we, we had a little sexy time in the shower at the Delta Lounge. <sighs> Hawaii Did you I get was- pregnant? Yeah, was no. I pregnant? Oh, that would have been such a good story. You'd have to have named your child Delta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I called my husband home when I was ovulating and I did get pregnant with my first daughter. I was ovulating. He was at a big meeting. It was a board meeting of like 25 to 30 people. And I texted him. I said, if you don't fucking get home right now, we're not going to have a baby. He's like, I can't leave this meeting. And I'm like, you need, because I didn't know really how ovulation worked. I thought like once you peed, it said plus. I was like, this is the only hour we can do it. It doesn't mean it's tomorrow or the next day. It's right now. I got the plus right now. So we left the meeting early. He said that he had a, um, an emergency came home, had sex with me, and she was she was born. If I oh. wasn't so adamant, who knows? Might not happen. I mean, you needed to guy. do it. It's like, make the baby in, in the Delta Lounge in LA, <laughs> yeah. and if you don't, then, like, look what you, like, we've, we've made everything happen so you can impregnate me. It's like, <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> well, blame it on the shower. Um, okay, never have I ever, because everyone celebrates after their fashion show is over in New York Fashion Week, never have I ever gotten so drunk, like, at the after party that I didn't remember parts of the night the next day. Definitely. Uh, we had we had a rapper named Theophilus London perform at our show and he Ugh. came to the after party and you can probably find the picture of me giving him like a like full face kiss on the lips. <laughs> uh, and my husband was like, um, can we talk about this? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't remember that at all, babe. Like, I don't actually remember. That's a good get out of jail. <laughs> That's us. right. Like, I- I don't know how I got here with no yeah. on. I don't know. I don't know. Can't remember. Until it ends up in the pages of Us Weekly the next day. I think that no, no one cares about designers in Us Weekly, so that didn't, didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like these are all risque, but okay, so never have I ever not worn underwear because my dress, you'd see the lines. Oh, no, I have to wear underwear. Okay, that's like a must, like no matter what. even No matter what, even if it shows the lines. Yeah, I'll wear a thong. I, I can't. I don't. I don't wear tight dresses, anyways. But I, I have to have that. Can't comfort. free it. Yeah. <laughs> <The comfort. laughs> Roxy, have you ever? Uh oh, yes, yes. If it's been like a really tight, tight, tight 
dress like I've done that i feel like the ones yeah it is a little scary though because you're like oh anything could happen at this moment you know like yeah, know. the skirt could blow up like basic you know. instinct moment it's like okay <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah exactly not cute um, okay. okay last one okay never have i ever seen another designer's look on the runway and wished it were mine Oh, all like the time. oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I think there's some incredibly talented designers. Like when Hedy Slamane was at YSL, like all his men shows, I wanted all that clothing for women, you know? Yeah. Okay. What do you think about what Harry Styles right now playing with the, yeah. the gender bending? Gender bending. You know, I think if he looked good in it, I wouldn't care, but I just think he looks mm -hmm. bad in it. So it, okay. I, I just don't like it. It's like a woman. It's same with a woman, right? If you're trying to like play up a beautiful dress, but you look dumb in it, like, I don't get it. I like what he says about the fact that he sees things and he's like, oh, I like what that looks like and I want to wear it. And we've put so much stipulations on like, no, you can't because it's this color or it's this shape or it's for women or it's for men. Right. Um, you know, I have two daughters and they are constantly in colors that are not for them and blacks and, you know, wear boy stuff. And they think they're, and their names are boys' names. So like, <laughs> they're like, right why <laughs> Yeah. So Lennon, my girl, who's wearing boys' clothes, people think he's a boy. Shakara. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation definitely to have. It is. It is. We are just so thankful that you joined us today, Rebecca. Amazing. And what is the best place for people to find you? Should they go to your Instagram, go to your website? Where can they well, find you? Well, they can go to my Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff. I have a podcast. It's called Super Women with Rebecca Minkoff. They can download it wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, I answer all my DMs for the most part. So you do. You really do. Me and that's one other so person. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I don't. Roxy doesn't. She has a whole team I to I got to, No, God, no. I just, I just sometimes pretend that they're not there. Yeah, same. And then, do you ever like, like read it and then go, oh fuck, and then like press like forget. You didn't read it. No, well, right. Like, you, you can like make it like you didn't read it because it says seen under the bottom. So when you read it, it says seen. But if if someone knows you've seen it, someone knows you've seen it. Then you're you can in... like flick it back, and it's like you haven't seen it. Oh, thanks for that pro tip. I didn't know I could oh, do I that. Oh, I shouldn't have told okay. you that, Roxy. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be flicking all day long. <laughs> That nice. sounds kind of cute and sexy. Thank you for having okay. me. Okay, great. Thanks, Rebecca. And that uh, we and you can find us on Women on Top Official on Instagram. Yes. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. And I am Taman Sursak. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women, Women on, on Top.